All right. How you guys doing? Doing all right? Well, I just want to welcome everyone, whether you're joining us in person or maybe you're watching online. I'm excited to dig into the truth of God's Word uh, together. But before we do, I do want to take a moment, as I do every single week, and look into the camera and say a big hello to all the men and women joining us in our correctional ministry. Man, we love you. We believe in you. Come on, D-Town. Help me welcome our church family today. Come on, let them know. Honored to have you guys with us. Well... Today, we are in week number three of our Sizzlin' Summer series where uh, different communicators and pastors are bringing a fresh word to the church each week throughout the summer. And in week number one, we had Pastor Kyle Mills from Elevate City Church come and inspire us to press through and push through any obstacle that might be in our way of the miracle that God wants to do in our lives. And then last week in week number two, our very own Pastor Aaron Rosario uh, challenged us to kind of get back to the basics and uh, keep the main thing the main thing. And what a great way to, to start our series and today I want to study a passage of scripture that may or may not be familiar to you, but, but in it, it reveals to us and it reminds us of this characteristic that is absolutely crucial for us to have in our lives as followers of Jesus. And so let's take a look at it to kind of serve as our foundational scripture for the message today. It's found in Romans chapter 15, verses 1 and 2. This is those of us who are strong. Go ahead and look at your neighbor. Tell him, I think he's talking about me. Come on, go ahead. Tell your neighbor, I think it's talking about me. Those of us who are strong and able in the faith need to step in and lend a hand. I'm absolutely talking about you. To those who falter and not just do what's most convenient for us, strength is for service, not status. I mean, no, that'll preach. Strength is for service, not status. Each one of us needs to look after the good of the people around us, asking ourselves as if we worked at Walmart, how can I help? Strength is for service, not status. And today I want, I want to preach a, for a few minutes on the subject, my strength is for service, not status. And we kind of dive into this topic of, of servanthood. Uh, I believe that this is a crucial characteristic that God is calling his followers to have. How many of us know servants serve? That we would get back, and I want us to know that it's more than just doing things. It's more than just uh, what we're doing, but more importantly, it's why we do it. Having the heart to serve, that we would serve one another in our families. Come on, parents, how many of us would love kids who just have a servant's heart, who just clean in the name of Jesus, <laughs> just take the dishes out of the dishwasher for crying out loud one time or do laundry, or just don't have to be told to do something. They just have this servant's heart. Or how about in our marriages? We would just serve our spouse without, without having to be asked to do something. We just have this servant's, let it start in our homes. Let it start in our hearts, then let it start in our homes, and let it filter out through the church and into the community of what it looks like to have an attitude of servanthood. Can I get an Amen. And so before we jump into it, come on, let's pray as we get ready to open God's word. Father, we thank you for the truth of your word. God, I pray that it would 
pierce our hearts. God, we know that your word is living and it's active. And whenever we read it with faith, God, we always see things we never saw before. God, you impart things we didn't have before. And so our heart today, God, is speak, Lord, we're listening. I pray you give us eyes to see and ears to hear your voice. I pray that you would increase, God, and I would decrease as I just preach your word and your truth. I pray you would be glorified. Have your way. Speak to us right where we're at with exactly what we need to hear in such a way as only you can in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. Well, today, as we talk about our strength is for service, not status, I just want to give us real quickly three things about serving, three things about having a servant's heart, three things about servanthood. And so let's just jump into it. If you're taking notes, write this down. The first thing I want you to know about serving is number one is that you have a strength and it's for service. You have a strength and it's for service. You know, our vision here at Experience Church is to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. That is what we are all about here at this church. We want people to know God, not just know him in our heads, but that we would know him in our hearts. We want people to find freedom, that we can find freedom from our yesterdays so that we can move into our tomorrows. We want people to discover their purpose. Like Mark Twain said, the two greatest days in our lives is the day that we were born and the day we discover why we were born. And we want people to make a difference because there is nothing greater that we can do with our lives than make a difference in the life of someone else for the cause of Christ. And the message today is really all about those last two things, that we need to know we have a purpose, that we have a strength that is God-given. And maybe, maybe no one has ever told you that before, but you have a strength. You have been graced with a gift. There is no one like you. God has graced you with a strength and a gift. That's how God designed it. That's how God set it up. And if you don't believe me, let me show it to you in Scripture. First Peter chapter 4 Verse 10, I'll prove it to you. Peter's saying, each of you should use whatever gift you have received, meaning you've already got it. It's already put inside of you. Now, whether it's come to fruition, whether it's bloomed into all reality, you've already received it. You've already been given it. God created you with it. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to do what? To serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. We've all been given a grace gift. Now, real quickly, I need us to understand that servanthood and serving is a big deal in God's kingdom. God really cares about his followers serving and having a heart to serve. We need to understand that right out of the gate. And I've heard it said that, that God's mercy is when we don't get what we deserve. Anybody grateful for, for God's mercy in their lives? That, we, that no matter where we've been or what we've done, come on, the Bible says his mercy is new every single morning. Anybody else with issues have to quote that scripture every morning besides me? Like, thank you, God, that your mercy, doesn't matter where I've been or what mistakes I've made, your mercy is new every morning. Thank you for your mercy where I don't get what I deserve. But I've also heard that God's grace is when we get what we don't deserve. Forgiveness, freedom, eternal life, gifts, abilities, 
strengths. Anybody else grateful for God's grace in their lives? The Bible tells us that his grace is sufficient. His grace is more than enough. And I want you to know today that you have a unique gift. You have a unique strength. You have a unique burden. There are things that move your heart that don't move anybody else's heart. There are things that stir you up on the inside that don't stir other people up. And we can't make the mistake of being frustrated with someone else because they're not passionate about something that we're passionate about. That simply means that God has graced you. He's gifted you and he's assigned you to that specific need. For example, this, this past week, we, we had the, the privilege of having our uh, correctional ministry volunteer training night. And for the very first time, the, uh, the county jail decided not to have it at the county jail. And all the correctional volunteers said, amen. Nobody wants to go to jail to get volunteer training. And you know where they decided to have it at? right here at Experience Church. Come on, somebody. So it's really cool. The commander or the warden is a former pastor. And so God is opening doors in our correctional ministry like never before. But this past week, we had, you know, four hours of, four hours of intense training. Let's just say it like that. It was intense to try and stay awake. I'm just saying. Four hours where we had, we had 50 people come for volunteer training. Now, 15 of those were from experienced church. The other like 35 were from different churches from around our community. And we all converged and had the four-hour correctional ministry training. Well, the reason why I bring that up is because we have around 1,200 people every Sunday. But we had 15 volunteers this past week. And that's okay because not all of us have this stirring or this burden or this passion for a correctional ministry. Some of us have a burden for kids ministry, which by the way, I stopped over in kids ministry in between services. I don't have a passion for kids ministry. And y'all kids are crazy. I'm just saying that right now. We just shut some of them in the bathroom, threw some goldfish in there. Like, we'll see you in an hour if y'all survive. Oh my golly, what's going on? I'm not, hey, anybody else not grace for kids ministry? That just is not my thing. Right? And, that, and that's okay because we all have different gifts. We've all been graced with different things. Different things stir me up on the inside and different things stir you up on the inside. That's why it's called the body of Christ. Some of us are hands, some of us are feet. Why? We're not all the same. God designed it that way. And so we don't look down on people for not feeling what we feel, but we do understand that we'll be held accountable to God for the feelings, for the burdens, for the passions, for the giftings, for the strengths that he's put inside of us. Now, when we talk about strengths, when we talk about gifts, I think it's important for us to understand what we're talking about. And usually our giftings or our strength is that thing that comes natural to us. And we're just good at it. Like it's the thing that we love to do and we're good at doing it. Now, it's important for us to understand that there are things that we love to do that we're not good at, at doing. Like any singers in the house that will probably never touch a microphone, but in the shower or when you're driving in your car by yourself, you are amazing. Like you just kill it. That's me. I feel like I sound better the louder the music is. Like I feel, I feel like I really do sound like Beyonce sometimes. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I feel like I got it. Now, tr- now, I, now, truth be told, I wasn't gonna share this, but I feel like I need to. 
Um, a long time ago, in a land far, far, far away, I, uh, I joined a choir. Uh, God had just changed my life forever, and I was passionate. I mean, I'm passionate about worship. I mean, I have a heart of worship. Just something happens between here and here. I don't know what, what it is. Like, it sounds good here, but it doesn't sound good out there, you know? Uh, dogs will howl with me when I sing. But I joined a, a choir, and... Um, we weren't good. We weren't good at all. It's probably why I made it, you know? We had tryouts, and uh, I made it, and so we couldn't really get any gigs anywhere. Nobody would let us do anything, and so the, the one choir performance I was in, we actually went to a, uh, a nursing home, and uh, I couldn't find anybody else. Like, you know what? There's nobody else that'll come sing. You, you guys can come. And so we went, and we, we had the idea, we're going to sing some hymns. Like, who doesn't love hymns, especially the, the older generation? And so we were singing Victory in Jesus, and I felt like I was slaying it. Like, I was really holding, holding the whole choir together, all four of us, and just really bringing it home. And I think, that, I think they were enjoying it. There's a couple of people that fell asleep and, um, or died. I don't know what happened, actually. <laughs> I'm saying, can we check on her? I don't think she's breathing. But then our choir director decided at one, like the third song to, to have us sing I'll Fly Away. Anybody familiar with this hymn? Well, there's a part in this hymn that says, when I die, hallelujah. Bon. So we're singing this in a nursing home. And all of a sudden there was a lady in the back in a wheelchair um, who had lost her eyesight, so she was blind. And she just started yelling out, make them stop, make them stop. And they, had, and they just wheeled her out as she's screaming. And we just kept on going. We didn't know what else to do. I mean, there's some things that we love to do, but we're not good at, all right? That's, that's, that's the last time I, I sang in front of a crowd. It kind of scarred me for life. Things we love to do, but we're not good at. That's not what I'm talking about. Our strength is what we love to do, and we're, we're good at it. We're good at doing it. Like some of us, man, we've never met a stranger. We love talking to people. We love connecting with people. We love hearing their story. And the kicker is, they love talking to us. That's really important. You ever met that person who loves to talk, but you don't really love talking to them? That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the person that you love to talk to back, right? And you're just drawn to them. These are our strengths, things that that we love to do and that we're good at. Every single one of us has a strength, something we love to do and that we're good at. But the truth is, this is my point, the truth is that we'll, we'll never be the church that God has called us to be. We'll never make the impact that God has called us to make until we take what God has put on the inside of us into our world. We take our gifts, we take our passions, we take our stirrings, we take our strengths into the world. I think it's interesting that in the book of Acts, every single miracle that's found in the book of Acts, not one of them happened in the temple. They all happened outside of these walls. And so it wasn't a, a come and see gospel. It was a go and tell gospel. How many of us know that's the kind of church God's called us to be? A go and tell gospel. But I think it's important for us to know that some of our greatest strengths can also be some of our greatest weaknesses. Have you found this out to be true in your own personal life? For me, I can tend to be a very passionate, I don't know if you can tell, very passionate kind of person. And the strength of that is, is I, I mean, I go all in. I do everything with full bore, like all, I'm an, kind of an all or nothing guy. Anybody else can relate to me a little bit. Like I go all in, I put my heart and soul into everything that I do. And that can be a great strength of it. But the weakness of having a personality like that is that sometimes I can be emotionally driven instead of spirit led. 
Sometimes my emotions can get the best of me. And so sometimes our greatest strengths can also be some of our greatest weaknesses. Well, this is true as a church as well, because I don't know about you, but I think we have an amazing worship team. Anybody else? I think our, our worship team is absolutely... They won't let me join for what some reason. I haven't figured that out yet, but I think our worship team is amazing. In fact, I'll bring in pastors from other churches, leaders. We'll bring in consultants to help us do, uh, get better at what God's called us to do. And it never fails. Whenever someone comes in that's never been here before, they all say the same thing. They're blown away and they can't believe what's happening in Defiance, Ohio. They'll tell me all the time, man, I go to churches five times your size in big cities and they don't have a worship team like this. That's as talented and as anointed as what you have here in Defiance, Ohio. I think we got some pretty good preaching too. <laughs> Come on, that's your, that's your cue, church. That's your cue. Come on. Yeah. A little slow. I've been gone for a few weeks. You're a little slow. It's all right. We'll get you back. I think we're preaching. It's pretty good. It's getting better. When Justine, Pastor Justine is up here, it's good, right? I think our kids' ministry is incredible. I think what God's doing in our students is amazing. I think what's happening in God's church here and even in our community. How many of you got some great churches in our community, all right? We're not a one-size-fits-all. We're a big C church. We're a part of the kingdom. But I think we have some amazing things. Something special is happening in this place. But if we're not careful, our greatest strengths can be some of our greatest weaknesses because if we're not careful, we can fall into the trap of thinking that church is just an event we go to and spectate when God is calling us to be the church and not just be a spectator, but that we be a participant, that we participate with what God is doing in and through this place. In fact, that's why we call it Experience Church. One of the definitions of the word experience means to actively participate. And when we were praying about what kind of church is God calling us to plant and to start, it's that kind of church where people don't just go and punch a time card, but we are actively participating with what God is doing in and through his church. The reality is, man, we are called to take what God has given to us, what he's imparted to us, what he's graced us with beyond these walls into our world to serve our world and to help our world. How many know with everything happening in the world today, it's time for the church to rise up like never before? And you just need to know you have a strength, that you've been graced with a gift, but also need us to understand, if you're taking notes, you can write this down, and that is your strength is God's gift to you, but what you do with it is your gift back to him. Your, your, your strength is what he's given to you. It's the gift he's given to you, but what we do with it is our gift back to him. In fact, what God gives us doesn't make us great. It's what we do with it. It's how we steward it. It's how we develop it. It's, it's how many people we're able to bless through it is what makes it great. Our strength, by the way, is not our identity. How many of us know that Jesus doesn't call me Pastor Kyle? My wife doesn't call me Pastor Kyle. That would be weird and somewhat creepy, right? <laughs> my kids don't call me Pastor Kyle. So you know what that tells me? It tells me that it's not my identity. Pastoring is what I do, but it's not who I am. That I'm a child of God. I've been redeemed by God. I'm loved by the Father. I'm a part of the family. I'm chosen. I'm called. That what I do is not who I am, right? My title is not my identity. Our strength and our gifting is not our identity. I don't know who needs to hear this today, but your performance, what you do is not, you know, your performance doesn't make you. Anybody else struggle with a performance mentality? What I do is who I am. That's not kingdom. That's world. 
That's what the world tells us. Your value is determined by what you do. No, Jesus says your value is determined by who you are. And who you are and your identity is not found in what you do. Right? Your strength is not your identity. Our strength is a tool that we use to serve others. Everybody say serve. Our strength is for service, not for status. So it's our responsibility to connect our gifts, our passions, and our strengths to helping and serving others. Establishing God's covenant on the earth by building the body of Christ, God's church. You have a strength and it's for service. The second thing that I want us to know when it comes to serving and having a, a servant's heart is number two, write this down, and that is service sanctifies my want. Here's what I mean. Service sanctifies, or we could say purifies our wants or our desires. Now there's a great example in, in Mark chapter 10 when Jesus is hanging out with his 12 disciples and two of his disciples, James and John, known as the sons of thunder, approach Jesus and say, hey, Jesus, we have this request that we wanna ask you. And Jesus is like, go ahead, fellas, what you need? They go, when you sit on your throne, when you become king, we wanna sit on both sides of you, one of us on the left and one of us on the right. And Jesus is like, man, y'all don't even know what you're asking. You don't even realize. I, I, I have the interpretation like Jesus is going, you think my kingdom is of, of, is of this earth? My kingdom is above this earth. But Jesus responds to them and says, you don't, you don't really know what you ask. You don't even understand the cup of suffering that I'm about to drink from. Do you think that you could drink from this cup of suffering that I'm about to drink from? And the sons of thunder are like, absolutely. We're ride or die. We are in this thing. We're sold out. Let's roll, Jesus. And well, about this time in the conversation, the other 10 disciples catch wind of what the sons of thunder are trying to pull off and they ain't happy about it. And so Jesus has to bring all the little children together. Parents, you ever had to do this? And straighten them back out. And that's what pick up the story. Mark chapter 10, verse 42. Jesus called the disciples together and said, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles. I love this right out of the gate because this is a total dad move. He already, it's a lesson. I'm gonna preach you a sermon. Any other dads do this besides me? Like they're just not, kids aren't getting along. They're not sharing their toys. Like, come here, come here, come here. When I was a boy. <laughs> and you go into story mode and teaching mode and, I can, and, and then your kids' eyes roll on the back of their heads. Like, oh crap, here comes another story from dad. Well, at least I'm not the only one who does it. Jesus did it too, and it worked for him, so I'm gonna keep doing it. Dads, just keep doing it. You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. And in this moment, Jesus is teaching this, this principle where he's comparing worldly leadership to kingdom leadership. And he's making the point that the two are completely different. The way we lead in the kingdom should not like the, the leadership in this world. In other words, the church should look different from the world, that there's something special about God's people. There's something special about being in God's house. There's a holiness amongst God's people. There's a selflessness and, and a humility amongst God's people that causes people to ask, man, why do you, why do, you do what you do? 
Why do you love the way you love? Why do you forgive the way you forgive? Why do you care the way you care? Why do you serve the way you serve to get nothing in return? How come you do these things? And Jesus said, the kingdom is different. In other words, the key to greatness looks much different in God's kingdom than the world's kingdom. He said, no, it's different. Instead, whoever wants to become great, everybody say great. Anybody who wants to be great among you must be a servant. And whoever wants to be first must be, other words say, last or a slave of all. For even the Son of Man, talking about himself, did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. He says, whoever wants to be great. I think it's important to point out that, that Jesus didn't say we can't be great. He didn't say not to have the desire to be great because a desire for greatness is carnal and selfish. No, no, no. We can have the desire to be great. That's that's actually been put in us by God. Remember what God told Adam and Eve in in the Garden of Eden in Genesis chapter one. He said, be fruitful and multiply. Can I get an amen? One of my favorite verses. I quote that to my wife all the time. It's the Lord. It's God. This is God. It's about being a Christian. Follow Jesus. Let's be obedient. to be fruitful and multiply, and he goes on to say, and fill the earth and subdue it. In other words, have dominion over it, to be in charge. God put us in charge. We have that desire. And if you don't think you have the desire to to be in charge, just get married. And then you find out, oh, you wanna be in charge too. And then, then have kids. And all of a sudden, how I many of parents, they think they're in charge trying to tell us what to do. I'll tell you what to do, kid. <laughs> Anybody else tell I've been on vacation with my family? <laughs> <laughs> when school start? Let's get this back up and running. <laughs> but it's in us. It's in us to lead. It's in us to want to be in charge. It's in us to desire greatness. And we don't need to run from that desire. We need to sanctify it. We need to purify that desire. We need to make sure that it's in the right perspective, in the right lane. So how do we do that? Well, we take a page out of Jesus's playbook, who is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the Savior of the world, the Son of Man, the Son of God, who's above it all. What did he do? Man, he didn't come to be served. He came to serve. And how many of us know when we serve, there's a humility that comes with it? There's a selflessness that happens in us when we serve. Something changes in us when we serve with the right heart and for the right reasons. All of a sudden, we realize what really matters. We're serving and helping someone else out. We're making a difference in their lives. And all of a sudden, we discover what true greatness looks like. This is, this is the abundant life that Jesus is, is calling us to, that we can desire to run a great business. We can desire to have a great family. We can desire to leave a great legacy. Greatness isn't wrong. It just needs to be properly defined. What does true greatness look like? And this is what Jesus is saying in Mark chapter 10. The world says, make your name great. Push everybody else down. Lord it over everybody else. Make your name great. And Jesus, that's not true greatness. True greatness is going low and making my name great. And all of a sudden, greatness happens in you. Jesus said, anyone who wants to be great must be a servant first. Let's take a look. Genesis chapter 12, verse two. God told Abram this too. I want you to see it. Thank you for the shout out there. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous and you will be a blessing 
to others. Notice what God is telling Abram in this passage of scripture. He said, I'm gonna do an incredible work in your life. Man, I'm gonna do something so special in you but it better not stay with you. It needs to go through you. It better not stop with you. It better impact the next generation and it better impact the world around you for my name's sake. God, God tells Abraham, I'm gonna bless you. Oh yeah, do it, God. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna make you great. Yes, Lord, God is good all the time, all the time. God is good. And God says, but it can't stop with you. That there's a responsibility that comes with that blessing, that it must flow through you to make a difference in the world around you. This is true greatness. And so we ask the question as followers of Jesus, man, who can I encourage? Who, who can I reach? Who can I bless? Who can I impact? Who can I minister to? Who can I serve? That we would take our gift and take our strength and take our dream and that we would lay those things at the feet of Jesus. We would lay them at the foot of the cross and say, God, use these things for your glory. And when we do, watch significance happen in our hearts. Watch great, true greatness happen in our lives. That we would have the same attitude Paul talked about in Romans chapter 15. Let's take a look at it again. We already read it. Verse two, it says, each one of us needs to look after the good of the uh, people around us asking ourselves, how can I help? How many of us know if we ask this question, God will answer it? If we pray this prayer, God will answer this prayer because I think not enough people are asking this question. Most people ask the question, what's in it for me? What do I get out of it? What, 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 how's this gonna benefit me? Is, what's the ROI on this thing? What do, what do I get? But if we would, I mean, the Bible tells us that God is searching throughout the earth, looking for a heart that's completely his. It's not about me, God. In fact, this entire message, I purposely left testimonies of, of how we've served and made a difference in somebody else's life. I've left some of those out, even though we have tons of them. I've left some of those out because I want us just as, as followers of Jesus to get the obedience part of serving. If, if you don't change anybody's life or you don't do it, I just want to be obedient to what you are calling me to do. That's good enough for me, God. Now, if you use me to change somebody or something happens, that's amazing. But I just want to be obedient to your word in my life because that's true maturity. Amen. Same thing with tithing and giving. Like, yeah, I don't, I don't want to give to give. I'm just giving because you called me to give. And if I don't get anything, you've already given me enough, God. You laid down your entire life. You forgave me and you healed me and you delivered me. And so if you give me nothing more, you've already given me enough. I just want to be obedient. That's the message today. I just want to be obedient to what you have placed before me. I just want to be obedient. You call me to serve. Jesus came to, not to be served, but to serve. I'm going to serve. Come on, servants, serve. But as we serve, as we Pray this prayer, God, how can I help? How many of us know there's no shortage of needs in our world today? That God will answer that prayer. And as we just start to be obedient to what he's placed before us, all of a sudden, God will bring a significance to our strength because it's not about status, it's about service. And only service leads to true greatness. You have a strength and it's for service. Service sanctifies our wants. And finally, if you're taking notes, number three, because I'm going long. No matter your title, pick up a towel. No matter your title, pick up a towel. Whether we're a millionaire, hundred heir, in debt heir. <laughs> no matter your title, CEO, CFO, COO, BOO, DOO, 200, <laughs> UFO, come on girl. 
no matter your title, stay-at-home mom, no matter your title, husband, wife, student, parent, child, no matter your title, pick up a towel. Let me show it to us in Scripture, John chapter 13, verse 2. I'm just fired up out there. Let's go to work. The evening meal, the Bible tells us, was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power. All things were under him, and that he had had come from God and was returning to God. He already knew these things. And so he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing. He had an underclothing too, just so you know. And wrapped a towel around, that, that would have gotten weird. Wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Jesus gets up from the meal. Can I just remind us today that we can only sit at the table for so long? Let me say that for the people in the back. We can only sit at the table for so long. We can only eat so much. We can only consume so much. We can only come to church to get fed so much before God will eventually require us to use the strength that he has given to us to be a blessing to somebody else. That it's time to push away the plate that we've had enough to eat and it's time to serve someone else who's hungry for a meal that will truly satisfy. Come on, church, we need to hear this because sometimes I think all of us need to be reminded that dinner's over. Jesus knew when to eat, but he also knew when it was time to push away from the table and grab a towel and serve. All things were under his power, but nothing was beneath him. God forbid that there are things beneath us. Like it might be under us, but it's not below us. How many of us know there's a difference? Jesus looked down, knowing all things were were under him. And what did he do? He went lower. Because even though it was under his power, it was not below him. How many of us know it's really hard to fall when we're on our face? It's really hard to point our fingers when we're washing feet. It's really hard to criticize when we're on our knees praying for someone else. And if we're not willing to go low, the question is, are we really ready to go high? Like, how can God elevate us if we're not willing to descend? And if we're too big to serve, we're probably too small to lead. I just thought of some questions that Jesus is in the room. He's at this dinner. I just thought, man, what, what do we do when we know we're the most important person in the room? What do we do when we know we're the most powerful person in the room? What do we do when we're the most gifted person on the team? What do we do when we're the wisest person in the room? What do we do when we're the wealthiest person in the room? I pray that we would do what Jesus did. He knew he was the most powerful person in the room, but it didn't stop him from picking up a towel and washing some feet and serving those around him. I think too often, man, we we chase significance. We chase titles, we chase recognition, we crave applause, we we chase approval. And as long as we need those things, how many of us know they'll never be enough? As long as I need those applause and I need that approval, it'll never be enough. And maybe, just maybe our gifting wasn't about approval. Maybe our gifting was about serving someone else. Maybe our strength, maybe our talent had nothing to do with people clapping for us, but it had everything to do with helping someone else who was in need. Maybe the missing piece in our lives today is not approval. 
Maybe the missing piece in our life is not more accolades or more applause. Maybe the missing piece in our lives is not a title. Maybe it's a towel. To take from the table and to wash some feet. Our significance is found in service. Matthew chapter 10, verse 39, Jesus said, if you cling to your life, and you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you'll find it. Isn't it interesting that it's actually in the letting go that we find ourselves? Like it's in the, it's in the running to the back of the line that somehow God puts us in the front of the line. Have you discovered this? Like everything in the kingdom is backwards from what the world would tell us. Like it's in the serving that somehow God elevates us. It's in the going low that somehow God causes us to go high. It's in living our lives to lift others up that somehow God puts his hand on us and he lifts us up. And so what do we do? What's our next step? How do we serve? Well, I'm so glad that you asked. Like was, just, was this all just a ploy pastor for us to start serving here at Experience Church? Yes, absolutely. If the ushers could come forward and we could fill out these, we could get your name and your social security number. Our kids department will follow up with you directly after service. No, I'm, te I'm teasing. I, I think we should serve in God's house. Don't get me wrong. I mean, if you want to serve, I think you should serve. I, I think we should serve on the dream team, our volunteers. Or I think we, we should serve in small groups around here. I think we should serve through our giving. I think we should be a part of Serve Day. I think that because that just flows out of our hearts. Not because we have to, but because we want to. Not because we were forced to, but because we have this desire to. Man, God did something for me. I can't help but see that happen in someone else. I'll serve, I'll go. But really the whole point in my heart for us today is that all of us would experience the abundant life that Jesus came to give to us. This characteristic of servanthood in a world that's more selfless, in a world that would tell you, man, you just, you get yours and you go after yourself and you just be happy. You know, I mean, you know, the, the American dream, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That's great, but I think it's incomplete. That's incomplete, right? That, that, I, I pray that, that the American dream would mature into the kingdom dream, that it would be about serving and making a difference in somebody else's life. This is the gift and the example that Jesus came to give each and every one of us who set the example first in his own life by saying, I didn't come to be served, I came to serve. And so what do we do? How do we serve? What's our next step? Well, I was just reminded with a simple phrase in one verse, when God asked Moses at a time when he was struggling to see his strengths. You ever struggle with that? Like, how can I do it? I, I don't have anything to give. I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't have anything. There's no way I can make a difference. What would I do? Moses was struggling to see his own strengths and struggling with even knowing what to do. And God asked him this question. Exodus chapter four, verse two, as we close. God simply asked him, what's in your hand? What's in your hand? And Moses replied, I just got a shepherd's staff. Moses said, I want to help my people. I have this desire. I have this burden. I have this stirring. I have this, this thing that I want to see happen, but I don't know what to do. And I don't think I have what it takes to do anything. And God said, well, what's in your hand? He says, staff. And if you read the verses later on, God says, well, just throw it on the ground. When he threw it on the ground, it turned into a snake. Moses sees that what was in his hand might felt insignificant, but when he, he gave it to God, it became supernatural. We have these gifts that we might call insignificant. God, how could you even use this? 
I think one of the greatest things God's used in my life is my past. I think for the longest time, I couldn't tell you what to do, but I could tell you what not to do. <laughs> I don't know what you should do, but let me sit down. Let me give you 55,000 things what not to do, right? None of this worked, right? God used my past more than anything, and my pain and my problems. And then he brought some things out in my life. For me, I never desired to stand on a stage and I still don't need this. I, if God called me to walk away from this, I can walk away. I don't need this. I just want you, God. I just want to honor you because you changed me. You gave it all for me. What's in your hand? What's in your hand today? It's got an ordinary staff. What's in your hand? Connected to what's in your heart and serve, and serve people and help people. If you got a business, use it. You got an idea, connect it. What's in your hand, connect it to what's in your heart. Give it a mission, use it for the kingdom and watch what God does in and through your life. Our influence, our gifts, our strengths, our dreams, just use what God has placed in your hand. Significance isn't found in status, it's found in service. We all have a strength, we all have a gifting, but, but even if you're struggling with discovering your gifts and your strength, I had this thought this morning as I was praying for our time together. How many of us know we can all pick up a towel? We can all pick up a towel. And I don't know about you, I didn't get here by myself. It's because people decided to pick up a towel and come wash this drug addict's feet who was incarcerated and lost. And someone just decided to wash my feet and serve me and love me and believe in me even when I didn't believe in myself and I was hopeless. People just decided to wash my feet and it changed my life forever, anybody else. And if someone washed our feet, how can we not wash someone else's for the glory of God, amen? Well, let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your example, the example of Jesus, who was above it all, but nothing was beneath him. The King of Kings and the Lord of Lords who came to set the example for all of us to follow, who didn't come to be served, but he came to serve. That this characteristic, God, I pray that it would be so much more than just doing things, but it would come from our hearts that we have a heart to bless others because we've been blessed, that we'd have a heart to love others because we've been loved. We'd have a heart to be generous towards others because God, you've been generous with us. I pray we'd have this heart of, of servanthood first in our, in our hearts, but then in our homes. And it would spill out into our churches, into our communities, into our world, and that people could see Jesus. We could experience true greatness and true significance and true life. As we're praying together today, the truth is before we can serve somebody else, we have to first serve the King that's above it all, King Jesus. Maybe you would say here today, or maybe you're watching online that you don't have a relationship with God. Do you never surrendered your heart and said, I'll serve you, I'll follow you. Your ways are higher, your ways are better. Here's my life 
you've never received that gift, I want to give you that opportunity today. Wherever you're at, with every head bowed, every eye closed, if you would say, man, I don't have a relationship with Jesus, but I, I want one and I need one. Or I used to walk with Jesus at one point in time, but I have drifted from him and it's time for prodigal sons and daughters to come back home. If that's you, would you lift your hand to heaven right now, right where you're at? Here I am, God. I'm going all in with you. Here's my heart, which you've always wanted. I'll follow you. I'll serve you. I want to know you and have a relationship with you. And right where you're at, would you just pray this prayer with me? Say, God, thank you. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to pay the price for my sin on the cross. God, forgive me. Change me. Heal me. Fill me. My life is yours. Lead me by the power of your Holy Spirit into the abundant life that you came to give me. Here's my heart in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Come on, let's give God some praise for all I did today.